Imagine what it'd be like if we were really curious about each other. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Relational Spirituality, the weekly podcast of LargerStory.com, the podcast that sees all relationships as spiritual and all spiritual formation as relational. Now, here's your host for this week, Roseanne Moore. Hi, Larger Story community. Welcome to the Relational Spirituality Podcast. I'm Roseanne Moore, your host today. This is your place to belong, become, and be known. And I am excited today that we have a special guest in my daughter, Anita Grace, who's joining me today. Anita Grace is in her first year of college here locally at community college, but she is planning to be a trauma therapist. She volunteers currently with a therapist who works with horses. She loves training dogs and has a pet sitting business. She is the only daughter with three brother with having three brothers. <laughs> and um, and she is a joy. Her name means uh, Anita means grace and grace is grace. She is our double grace. She has always been my double grace. And so I'm really excited to have her here talking with me today. Hey, Anita Grace, do you want to say anything else to introduce yourself? I mean, I think you did a pretty good job at this point. Okay. That's most <laughs> of what my life is right now is work and school. So. <laughs> sure. Sure. Well, we were talking a little bit about Real Church is our, our book of the quarter that we're mm-hmm. kind of looking at that Larry, Larry started uh, the book with the question, what is it and where can I find it? Does it exist? You know, uh, what is real church? And it's really popular right now in our culture to talk about deconstruction, either negatively or positively when it comes to faith. I wanted to talk to you. We have a lot of conversations in our family about what it means to have a growth mindset and to constantly constantly be learning and growing in our walk with God and in our pursuit of what is true, not just what we're used to believing. And so I wanted to, to give you an opportunity to kind of have a chat with me about what, what your process, our process as a family has been. I grew up, you know, this, I grew up in a Christian home where Focus on the family was on the radio all the time, basically. (laughs) And that very much shaped our idea of what it meant to be a Christian family. Our, our journey has been different. And so what have you found challenging about that? What have you, I want to give you a chance to talk a little bit about what it's been like to just grow up in our, in, in our home and to figure out your own relationship with God? I mean, over the years, we've kind of morphed, right? Because like we, early on when you're parenting us, you're still kind of like you're doing things differently than the way that your mom and dad did it because you wanted to improve stuff. But there still was like some listening to the focus on the family stuff and going to different churches and experiencing different ways of being like, I don't know. There, it, it was. In, it's interesting because the most constant represent representation of church that has been in my life has been you, 
honestly, because we've changed so much. But I think at this point, a lot of what, I don't know, there are some core parts of church that you want to have, but a lot of my spiritual like mentorship has come from you. Mm-hmm. And so because we'll have hard conversations and we'll talk and you often are looking for the kind of like the truth in the midst of stuff. You don't want to go with just what's like trending right now. And that's more difficult. There are some churches that we've come across where people will be like on the same path as that. But mm-hmm. at least to me, it feels like that's more difficult to find. And a lot of times when I go to places, I'm like trying to figure out, okay, how much of this is just kind of a formula and how much of this is authentic, just showing up in people's lives. I don't know. It's kind of a hard question also because I don't know if you felt this way, but like when you're raised in a Christian home, I've talked before, it's not the same as when you're kind of living life be like not knowing God and suddenly you know him and a bunch of things change, at least mm-hmm. in your perspective of things. It's kind of like you just slowly grow and realize there's more about this faith that you didn't know about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if you want to ask a following question for that because that that question for me is difficult to answer because of how much we've like moved around and kind of evolved. <laughs> yeah. And we, it's interesting that you say that because you were, we spent the first what, uh, seven years of your life in one church and, but you were little, so that, that probably doesn't feel as formative or as long to you as it, like it is from my perspective, it would. And, and then we, and then you were part of a, we were part of a church here that my parents and that I grew up in, well, it was kind of a offshoot of what my, I grew up in and, Mm -hmm. Um, you were involved in that and, and then there wasn't a lot of youth groups. So you ended up in a church that was an offshoot of kind of, yeah. So it's been a, it's been a process of, of slow change. And then of course, COVID disrupted things. And then we've spent some time, we've spent brief periods of time in mega churches as well. And the church that we were in when I was little was more established. They kind of had a campus. They had a lot of programs. So they were they weren't huge, but they they weren't small either. So we go from that, we move to where we're at now, uh, go to a small like a kind of smaller church that's slowly kind of like it's mostly full of older people. It's kind of dying. It's slowing down in my grandparents church, which is where like you said, it's like where you kind of like it's kind of a form like some type of form of what you grew up in. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, we had a. You, you were going somewhere else. So we're going to a community one as well that's like in people's homes and stuff like that. And then since the other one was dying, like I'm going to a youth group at another one. So it's all, <laughs> it's kind of all over the place. And we visited other churches and kind of been there a little bit that are that like they're smaller group. Like we've gone to smaller groups of really huge churches. So like a lot of it has been kind of just us testing, okay, can we find community here? Can we find community there? What does that look like? And at this, like at this point with COVID, like at the, at, like I'm kind of strengthening my relationships with people I already know from all of those places that I, that, that I'm still in contact with. We're, We're not going to kind of regroup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It got a little crazy. 
<laughs> yeah. And I, and I, you know, it's interesting listening to your perspective on this because I'm kind of reviewing the decisions that were made at various points as you talk and thinking about the process. And I think one, one thing that happened was because we had been, your early years were spent in a church that on one level, we had seemed to have a really strong community, but it was really an unhealthy situation. Right. When we moved, it was very disruptive for you. And so you ended up going to a church with your grandparents because when you had come to visit them, those were the only kids that you knew. So yes. that was how we ended up doing that initially while I was trying to find a place that I felt was going to be a better fit. And by that point, I... I had come back to Larry's material, his books, and I was really seeking a a deeper level of community. I didn't want the church that I spent a lot of my growing up in uh, was very program oriented. The pastor was an excellent teacher, yeah. um, but it was very program oriented and didn't go below the surface at all and didn't think about uh, our faith in a relational standpoint. It was much more behavior modification. You know, here was your list of rules and, and kind of all of our lives, my family's life kind of revolved around church and school, the Christian school that was associated with it and all of that. And it was just kind of a package thing that gave us semblance of community, but wasn't, didn't go deeper. Right. And so I wanted I wanted to be able to go deeper. And mm. so you're right. We've, we've been on this quest for how do we, how do we look at spiritual community and church as primarily relationships that mm. affirm the fact that we, that we belong to God. And because we belong to him, we can become the people that we're created to be. And we can safely be known in community, showing up as we are, not as we wish we were. Mm -hmm. uh, but that—that's the desire. I think that's that's what we've been, not just wanting to find, but wanting to be a part of creating. Right. And and I think you're good at that. You're good at in your relationships, even at college, in our home with your with your brothers, you do a good job of asking questions that go underneath and in your friendships of, of creating deeper relationships with people. So that's one of the yeah. things I appreciate. I think that's just the psychology, like tendency, <laughs> like, honestly, <laughs> like usually people will say stuff and I'm like, that's not your real reason for doing whatever you're doing. Be a real answer. Not the one I just want to hear or that you think I want to hear type of thing. But part of your interest in psychology and therapy is because we have, as a practice, we've, as a family, we've been looking at what does it mean to live from the inside out? You know? Yeah. I think that is something that's shaped how you, how you think about the world, how you view the world. Um, so, so I want to go back to a lot gets said about deconstruction or, uh, you know, a, it's kind of a popular idea in certain circles, the idea that, you know, young people are, I don't know. Yeah. I, what messages do you tend to hear 
about the church that frustrate you? Mm-hmm. What are the things that you would like to be part of? If, if you were to have a church community, what are the things that draw you? What are the things that are turnoffs to you? Mm, I mean, that's a lot of questions. <laughs> or at least I have a lot of answers, I suppose. Um, I mean, something that I struggle with, like part of the reason I can sometimes be a little critical of churches that I visit is that there's sometimes it feels like a focus more on like sensationalism. If it's big enough and bright enough, shiny enough, whatever, it's going to draw younger people to you or new people in general. Like it, it's kind of like, it feels gimmicky. It, it like part of me, it reminds me a lot of the kind of like an ad like in a weird way or like a like something where like in our world we have a lot of advertisements right and everybody's trying to be like okay my way is the best this will get you the results you need and this is why you should do it and it has pretty colors and like I know that the church needs some marketing because you don't want to just be invisible that makes Mm -hmm. sense you want to get the message out there you want people to find you yeah right but there's to an extent where I'm listening and I'm like okay I get I you're doing the emotion part really well of getting people. I don't know, like you're trying to make them think, but you're kind of doing it from an emotional aspect and you are going to miss some people who are like emotionally exhausted and they're like, okay, you need to just show up in a like physical, logical way of, I don't know, like outreach. Like you want substance, not, not showmanship. Right, exactly. And like, I'm far more curious about churches that actually show up in the community when there's like some type of deficit, like when they're in touch with that, and they're like, okay, this is the reason that churches are supposed to exist anyway, right? We're supposed to be a community, we're supposed to show up in tangible ways in people's lives and not just be like, like, you've seen the billboards of well, we have one in our town, I don't remember exactly what is it jesus is the answer to all your problems and that's all it says which i'm like yes but like whenever that's kind of as far as people go where it's like the cute the little cliche yeah yeah i'm like like something that never gets old is showing up in people's like hard times where they feel invisible Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. to me whenever a church does that i have a lot more instant respect for them because it shows that they're really thinking about kind of like Jesus's ministry. A lot of what he did was showing up for other people. That's his whole thing is showing well, the, up for other people. Yeah. He came to show us the father. So it yeah. was relational. It was, it was completely relational and present and incarnate. You know, he was there with skin on to show us who God is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm and sorry. And it also... I, no, you're, you're sorry. I didn't mean to talk over you. I was going to say, say more. I don't want to <laughs> change your train of thought. I, I think part of that also, like when I see people who are experts in other areas also then connect their faith and they're not separate. Cause I like, this isn't the case in all churches. I've met some like people who are really qualified, like they're experts in their field and they're Christians and they like sync the two and it works really well. But I've also seen where it's kind of people are interested in going deeper. And so they kind of segregate their lives, which 
like that's part of a big complaint of the church anyway, is that young people aren't invested enough with the church and they're like going to church on Sunday, but then they won't live it out in their personal life. And like sometimes I feel like that comes from a place of observing the people who are already in the church and seeing that they're doing that and being like, okay, well, we don't have a different example and you're just telling us what we're doing wrong and what we should be doing. And it doesn't always get lived out. Or if it does, they, they, they may not see that they may not be there for that or whatever. I don't know how Mm -hmm. there may not be a point of making sure that they're present for that. Right. Right. Yeah. Because the whole point of discipleship uh, and of, of church is to make us like Jesus. And that if we believe that he came, you know, Easter is, is, as we're recording this, Easter is coming up uh, next Sunday. Right. It'll be a few weeks after when it, when it uh, actually airs. But if we really believe that that Jesus came to restore our relationship with God and that God is redeeming the world through him and bringing us back into relationship with him. That should change everything, right? We're not alone. And, um, and so if we function as if that's a, a sideline thing that we acknowledge, but it's not something that's incorporated into all parts of our lives, we're, we're really missing the heart of the gospel where that we are, that God didn't save us to clean us up. God saved us to bring us into relationship with him. Mm-hmm. So I think, and, and that is one thing I want to kind of come back to when I said that, you know, I grew up with focus on the family on the thing. I, what I mean by that is I think I grew up with a Christianity that was very program oriented. It was very behavior modification oriented. These are the things that you do. These are the things that you don't do. And there was not a lot of engagement of the heart underneath of, of what does it really mean to be shaped, to be like Jesus in the way that we relate. And I think with you kids, I have, I have been in this process of what does it mean to engage you as people, not as, um, not try to mold you the way that I think you should be, but to engage you and give you a taste of why Jesus is good and beautiful and worth pursuing rather than try to force you mm-hmm. to agree with me that that's true. Would right. you say that that's the, that's the transition you've seen? Yeah. I mean, you, I will say you are already kind of like, predisposed to like interacting with us on more of our level kind of thing that was already there from the time like all the like most of my childhood I do know that once you started studying more of Larry's books and thinking about how if this is true what does this really mean how is this act like a way that you could apply it to your life and how you interact with people I noticed for one that you slowed down to some extent in the way that you interacted with us, you kind of had more, you made less assumptions, not that you were making a ton to begin with, but like you broke it down even more to ask, to clarify, I guess, where we were coming from. And I 
that's a lot of what I appreciate about how you parented us. And that's a lot of how I interact now. It's, it's, it feels like there's more fruit that comes out of like long conversations where you have to devote some time to really understanding that person. You may not agree on everything, but at least you're listening and you're talking about something that ultimately matters, whether you guys have different stances on it or not type of thing. And that like the authenticity that is like in that is very evident. Like you can't fake that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So. Well, I think I've learned a lot from you kids too. When I learned to slow down and ask questions, I mean, you've been really good at times of saying to me, Hey mom, you're not listening. You're not like, I know that I know you want to listen well, but you're not listening well right now. (laughs) And so you having the courage to like share respectfully and you're, you're doing it respectfully, but to share my impact in the moment and to give me a chance to ask myself, okay, am I doing what I really want to be doing right now? That's a question you've asked me at times too. Are you, you know, when I, when I've been in a, you know, not in a good space, you've asked the question, are you really doing what you want to be doing right now when I'm angry or upset or irritable or whatever? And it's, it's just been a really gracious way. You're very good at that with, with me, with your siblings, you've, you definitely have the, you have a gift and I've seen it in action with your brothers of drawing people out and helping them to calm down. You've done it at times when your brothers have been irritated with one another and you've kind of moderated (laughs) discussions (laughs) as you are now in college and you're, you're not just in a Christian environment anymore and you're having conversations. Where do you see that kind of, of mindset of being curious of uh, what do you think has been helpful about your spiritual journey and what, what do you still find challenging? You mean as it relates to college and. Well, and I'm thinking specifically relationships as you meet people who are different, who think differently than you do. I mean, it's been a bit interesting partly because like we were like, we're homeschooled. So, I mean, I had some exposure in a co-op for a few years And that was mostly around people who were from Christian households. But like a lot of my, like I, we obviously talked to people outside of our family. We were not isolated, but like a lot of my deep conversations have been with you guys. So it's been interesting as I've kind of gone into other spaces and everybody talks a lot faster, which can be funny sometimes. I've enjoyed it at some points because like some humans are just, I'm like, you guys have gifts for just being absolutely hysterical. I've, I've noticed that there's a lot more misunderstandings that happen when people go faster. I like, and oftentimes when stuff's come up because of my position of thinking about how to properly interact with people and how, like what would make them feel seen I guess mm-hmm. uh, I often take a different stance than some people. Like I've, I've had people get into like kind of tiffs about issues that are like kind of like 
hot topics in like politics or whatever it is. And like, usually it's interesting because I find myself in the middle a lot of the time because I'm like, I can see why you both are really passionate about this thing, but it's just going to look, it's going to look different for different people and what they focus on. And yeah, like with the spiritual aspect, I've talked with people about my faith at, at times. I don't really go around, like some people are good at, coming in and bringing Jesus up in every conversation. I try to have Jesus, like, for myself, I feel like it's most natural and most authentic when I let Jesus show up in just my normal interactions with people in ways that are, like, slower. Because I don't want to just... There's a lot of... Like, when you go fast, there's kind of a formula to going fast. And within the Christian community that, I like, whenever I've experienced that, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of depth behind it. Not a lot of interest in other... This isn't true for everybody, but there's not a lot of other interest in other people of finding out, okay, what's your actual struggle? What's your history with the church? What's your history with Jesus? Where have you felt met by them? Like all those or have felt kind of abandoned or even like had hostile interactions. And like, like, I believe Jesus can work through anything that we say, but that doesn't mean that you should just do it without thought. Like you, like, the person in front of you matters and that the the way that they take in information matters. And it's not, I don't know. I, I think, I think one mistake that has, has been in the way that we think sometimes is that we, we think we'll change people by telling them the truth. Yes. And what we fail to recognize is that Jesus was the embodiment of truth. So it's not, it's not simply, saying certain things but it's actually showing up with the energy of jesus yeah <laughs> yeah that is the truth that that makes people uh, that catches their attention and makes them int- curious for more yeah. yeah yeah i think that's and good it's interesting too because i don't know i've because we've bounced around a lot in like churches or whatever not all of them that like I've been in have been really the same, whether in their way of community, in their way of teaching, like they haven't been the same. So to some extent, I'm like, uh, like a bunch of Christians are reading the Bible and they know Jesus and yet they're branching off into different forms of that, of how they show up, of how they do things. And I could, some of them are a little more problematic than others, like obviously, but, but it also just, it kind of reminds me that there's, not like it's it kind of goes back to the program idea there's not really like a step one step two step three and then you are set and you're in the right and this is what a christian looks like and living in a christian way looks like you have like people with different talents different backgrounds different callings and that's not bad because not one person can do everything and you will burn yourself out trying so having people that are a bit different from you and you may think okay theologically I like the stance on that because it's usually it's like one of those unclear things where it's we don't know like you could have two different stances but if you both are seeing the same need and deficit in people and in the world and you're trying to bring something that to that something that Jesus is calling you to like that's kind of what I try to focus on with people because I know that I've been friends with 
Catholics. I've been friends with people who are Pentecostal. We're non-denominational, technically. But like I've, I've been friends with other people where it's like their way of doing things is very different from how I grew up, where it's more like about relationship, the, the steps kind of fluctuate. And, but it's very obvious that those people still like see stuff in the world where that's not fair. People are hurting and they take, they take their own approach to meeting that need and they care about it. So, Mm -hmm. so try to hammer people into the exact right way of doing things instead of just being like, we both love Jesus and we need to show up and encouraging that part. Like you can you can have deep conversations about your differences later, but like that first part is what really matters in the difference you're going to make. And I think right now in a nation that's so divided, that, that process of, of not dehumanizing people who are different, but, but being able to show up, being able to see other people and, and to have conversations with a curiosity And to be willing to engage, not just, I think a lot of the division that happens is because people are not actually engaged in meeting the needs of people like you're talking about. Because I know when we've been involved in helping people who are homeless or, or people who have been abused, things like that you learn a lot about the specifics of the situation that you don't know just going in. You can go in with a lot of assumptions. Right. And once you find out, or people of other races, things that they are dealing with that you don't, that because you didn't experience it yourself, you don't recognize. But once you start listening and once you start understanding some of the barriers that others face that you don't, then you can learn a lot. And you can love better. And part of, part of that relating the way that Jesus did is to get, to really get in the midst, to be incarnate in the way that you show up, like you said. So it's not that you have a grand mission as much as it is that you, you are proximate to people and relating to people. Yeah. Yeah. And that takes the pressure, at least for me, that takes the pressure off me because when I was younger, Again, this works for certain personalities. That's fine. But there was a lot of pushing. Go out in a very bold way and talk to people about Jesus. Like there are street preachers, there are evangelists like who go out there and they try to stir up those conversations, which it's needed, but it's not my calling. It's not my gift. And like I'm more reserved and slower. So to know that there's still a place for me to operate and it's valued instead of having this big kind of, I don't know what to call it. Like this big, like you said, kind of mission where it's like, this is what it takes to really be on fire for God. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. if, I don't know, I feel like people might end up trapping themselves there Mm -hmm. and whether their personality isn't suited or maybe their season of life. Like sometimes people can be really there for a little bit, but then they need a break and they need to switch out. And But it feels like there's some type of failure that's happening because you're not performing that certain way anymore. Mm-hmm. And I just, mm-hmm. that's something that I try to keep an eye out for because I, anytime I tried to reach 
that type of inter like that level of interaction with other people. Mm-hmm. I felt like I sacrificed like the authenticity. authenticity. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it felt like I was putting on this persona. And people mm-hmm. can tell. People are smart. Even if they're not Christians and they know the lingo, they can tell, especially people who are street smart, they can tell if you're being like real or not. And mm-hmm. it's not even always that people's hearts are hard, but it's that they can tell, okay, this person like is just kind of subscribing to something with a step. It's not really deeply changed them. And especially like a lot of the people that I would like a lot of the people that I've met who I've become friends with who when they're against church, they don't want to go into church and they're very street smart. They can like, I don't know. There's you, they, they themselves are showing up the best they know how. And I, I may disagree with some of the choices they make. And I'm like, that is going to hurt really bad down the road because you're not thinking about the consequences but they at least are like, this is who I am. This is how I show up. And if they see a Christian who is struggling themselves, but they're still pushing to be in this persona because they're told that's how you reach people, they're going to be like, okay, obviously I am doing better than you because I at least know who I am and I'm honest about it. Mm-hmm. It's interesting when you say that, because I think of when Jesus came and he ate with tax collectors and prostitutes. You know, and and yet the people who had the hardest time with him were the religious leaders. And and that was the core issue. He's at it. Like you have to it's you have to start with the honesty about your struggle, about your sin. If you can't own that, if you can't own the truth about who you are, then I can't help you. Um, It's not the healthy that need a doctor. It's the sick. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah. we're all sick. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I oh. think that's another way. Like, I know that there's some, there's stuff where it's like, it's sin and it's a moral issue. Mm-hmm. But at times, I don't know. I don't know if it's just that, like that terminology has made people kind of turn off their brain when you start talking like that. I found that that's not really effective. And when I come across, I've, I've told you about scenarios where I've had like classmates who have asked to do something. Like I had, I'll just use this and have to keep it anonymous. I had a classmate who was like, would you rat on me if I cheat? Cause she was, uh, to be fair, this girl was stressed to the max, was working a lot of hours, didn't want to fill a class, doesn't even want to be taking this class. She, it's a general credit, whatever. And in that moment, I'm like, I don't want to be. <laughs> I don't want to be party to that. It I, like that's something against what like against my ethics or whatever. But in, I also know what it feels like to be that stressed, and it's just like you have to get through this moment, and the you're not thinking about the consequences about what you're really sacrificing and something like that. And so in that moment, like instead of being like, "Oh no, you're just not supposed to," because I was like, "That's." Like, I don't want to create this divide between me and this person when I, like, I do understand. I just was like, I personally don't think it's a good idea because, and then I listed, okay, first off, you're going to get caught probably the way that you're about to do it. There's not an easy way to cheat on this test. Like, I like kind of deconstructed it. These are the consequences. This is actually what you're risking. And like talking like that of, is this a healthy decision that you will want 
the consequences of good or bad. And as I recall from what you told me when you're telling me about it, Emma, like the core of how you addressed it with her is you like you called her to be her best self and, yeah. and not to give away to the stress of the moment, not to lower who she was because of the stress of the moment. But you you essentially called her. You saw the image of God in her and you called to that image rather than making it like a not that not that moral discussions are wrong but in that moment it wouldn't have helped her it wouldn't no. have it wouldn't have moved her toward any or awakened a desire for anything different in her if you had talked to her in a moralistic way and instead you talked to her as a fellow image bearer and you you called out her best like you called out the the image of god that you knew is in every person even if they don't yet know him, even if they're dead to him spiritually, right. you know, that, that he he's put that in there. And so you, I know Larry talk, would talk about how in every conversation with another believer, the Holy spirit is always at work. Mm -hmm. And, and when you're talking to a person who doesn't have a relationship with God, you still are talking to an image bearer who was created to thirst for God to be hungry right. and thirsty for God. And so that's what you want to tap into. If you're dealing with that person, that deeper level of, of the hunger and thirst to be what they were created to be, to have the relationship with him. To, and it, of course we know that that only comes when we have a relationship with him, but right. yeah. Well, we're Coming close to the end of our time, is there anything else that you would like to share before we go? Your thoughts on church and uh, for people who I know one comment you've made to me at times that you, you have said you wish older believers at church. Um, how did you say it? You felt like they often tried to answer questions that you weren't asking and they weren't listening to the questions that you were asking. You mm -hmm. wanted input from people who had, who had been believers for a long time, but you found it difficult to receive that because you felt like they had an agenda and they, they weren't listening to what was actually being asked. Yeah. Can you say a little more about that? I mean, I think in the conversations I've had with people, I know that some people want their privacy and that's fine. But I've often talked to people, like people's life stories, especially when you're getting towards the last few decades of life, you have a lot of experience that like, I, like I'm interested in. I, like I'm interested in people in general, but if you've lived a bunch through a bunch of stuff, then I'm even more interested. And I, so when I would talk to older Christians, and they would kind of, we would be talking about faith, but they didn't really tie it to like something in their own life. It was kind of just, it felt like rhetoric, you know, mm. if that's kind of like maybe a harsh term for some people, but it, it, it felt very, this is the right answer to plug in. This is how you engage with younger people, like stuff like that. Instead of just showing up and being like, Hey, this is what I lived through. This is kind of backing up where I, I'm coming from and just having a conversation like person to person. Cause I will say some of my peers right now are going like through a thing of having a lot of freedom and they're not interested in those conversations. They're interested in doing stuff that they want to do and 
not have thinking about consequences and long stuff. But a lot of us also are just really curious because like we know that you, like older people have lived through the stages of life that we're living through now. I think that people like people who are older kind of discount the impact of their story. Like they've lived through the same life stages that we're currently living through. They had world events happen. They had all this stuff that they had to navigate. And they don't, at least a lot of the conversations I've had, they kind of act like that stuff isn't interesting or they don't include it. And they'll just talk about, they'll talk about kind of the surface level of Christianity, the stuff that the youth is supposed to hear and it's supposed to get them interested and stuff like that. When honestly, when I sit down with people, I would rather hear about challenges you had growing up, places where God met you, what that looked like. Some things where you're like, I don't get why the church does this, but I don't know. I feel like once you get past a certain, once you get to a certain point in life, you just have a lot of wisdom that you could share. And you also have the benefit of being like, there are new things that happen, but we as humans, we're very, we have patterns and they happen a lot. And and I don't know, it's their, their life and the way they lived is not completely separate from what we're experiencing now. And I think people just don't put enough stock in that and show up as an individual. They show up as, I don't even know. It, it, it's just, it, it's just, it's, there's some type of divide in just communicating with people normally. I don't know. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's easy to have conversations that are based on concepts or principles instead of actually engaging. And the hard part is when you do that, it's hard then to keep growing because yes. you have all this stuff that you think you know, and then if, and then it can't be challenged, right? But if you actually have a conversation where you're tying it to your life and your experience, then it, and you've said this to me before, you've, because when I've done that, there have been times we've gotten in a conversation and I've started to go there and give you, this is how you should think. And you've said, mom, <laughs> why? Because yeah. I have to know why this matters. I have to think it for myself. I can't just adopt what you say and what, and so then that backs me up and I have to go through and talk about the process of what I lived to learn that. And, and then that, and then the benefit of that is not just for you, but it's also for me because then you can ask questions and that gives me an opportunity to separate what woundedness may have shaped my perspective Right. Coming out of that, how much of what I'm, what I feel so passionately about is actually true. And part of it may be true, but part of it may be my own woundedness that's unresolved. Yeah. And so, yeah, when you, I think that's so wise, Anita Grace, because when you, when you have a conversation like that, then not only does it allow someone older to pass on real wisdom from experience, but it also offers, offers an opportunity for continued growth instead of just becoming rigid. And I, I will say like, like 
the conversations you were kind of referencing. I am not always in step with what you believe. I kind of some like at some points I differ. Um, and sometimes that's like more of just a personality thing, like how you and I interact with like conflict. But I think part of it is also life stage. So, but like it makes it easier to have a respectful and meaningful conversation when you delve in deep. Because even if like you got like the older person or the younger person like disagrees with each other, at least you guys like you entered the conversation and you know that, I don't know, there's respect that is kind of fostered where you're working to understand each other, even if you're not like coming away with the same ideas about stuff. Like we don't, like I was saying earlier, we don't all have to agree. That would be freaking impossible. And also not everybody agreed with Jesus and Jesus had literally everything. Like he said everything. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like if anybody was going to get everyone to listen to him and like believe the, and like be in step with him, it would have been Jesus. And not everybody did that. Mm-hmm. And I think now, like, in a more calm sense of that, not in the, like, persecuting sense. I wasn't trying to go there. But, like, you can still have meaningful conversations and differ and it won't be the end of the world. And it might be that also as people get older, they might be, their views might change. That's also part of it. Like, the experience of having to live through something yourself, like, sometimes that is a more more effective at long-term like shifts like it's it's a better teacher sometimes than just hearing stuff but at least you have the respect and you don't feel disregarded on either side I know that you were on spring break this week and you're still busy you're still working a lot and have a lot going on and so thank you for taking this time honey for having a conversation with me on here and I hope that it for our listeners One of the things that we really want to do is foster intergenerational conversations and, and conversations across divide. And so I hope that some of the things we talked about today will encourage you, give you food for thought. And um, if you're looking for good conversations and are interested in reading Real Church, our reading and relating book club is uh, just starting up. We have a new quarter starting with the re- Reading and Relating Book Club, which is free. Uh, you will get audio recordings as well as that with teachings that Larry did, as well as we divide up the, the book into three sections to do a deep dive of reading. And then once a month, we get together at the end of the month and online and uh, have discussions in a group and then in small groups. So we would love to have you join us for that. And you can go to our website at largerstory.com and sign up for that. There's a, there's also a discount available for that right now. There's a buy one, get one 50% off discount for the book right now. If you have a friend that you want to bring to the club. So thanks for joining us and thank you, Anita Grace. And we will see you back next time. We'll be uh, Cap and he'll be hosting for us next week. If you like what you heard today, hit the like button just below. Then come back by subscribing to our podcast channel. For more resources on relational spirituality, 
go to our website at largerstory.com. Thank you.